0: Good morning. It is Thursday, the 17th of November, 2022. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. All right, take a deep breath this morning. Um, We have a lot to cover, um, but I also want to start in the right place um, and certainly with the right spirit. And so where in the Word are you today? Have you already spent time in the Word of God with the Lord, acknowledging that This is the day the Lord has made, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Being sure that we have an eternal and uh, good godly perspective on um, on life is going to be imperative, particularly as we walk into this particular day. So God's, uh, God's growing your faith verse of the day. Well, we call it that. It's actually Faith Radio's growing your, growing your faith verse of the day. Um, you can sign up to receive it in your inbox at myfaithradio.com. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Don't, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Now, that seems a fairly straightforward spiritual in instruction for practical living from the Apostle Paul. Don't, don't just pretend to love other people. Really love them. Well, what does that look like? Well, that looks like not just in word, but also in deed. That looks like love that is patient and kind and long-suffering. That looks like um, love that always speaks and seeks the truth. Paul says, hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Now, in order to hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good, we must have a knowledge of the difference between that which is evil and that which is good. And who who determines those categories? How do you discern the difference between that which is evil and that which is good, or that which is sin and that which is sanctified or holy? That requires spiritual discernment, and that requires a spiritually... Uh, informed, and guided mind. It also um, requires a desire to do the good we know we're called to do and resist doing the evil we know that we're attracted to. I mean, hate what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Avoid sins of commission, but also avoid sins of omission, like do all the good that you know uh, God calls you to do today. Love each other with genuine affection, Paul says. Again, don't just say you love people; like tangibly and demonstrably love people, and not just as a show. Because you know, um, like you know, you know, you're supposed to care for other people, right? Mm-hmm. But don't just care for them as a show; like actually care for them. Be moved with the compassion with which Jesus was moved. And again, that gets back to a spiritual conversation, like, of what spirit are, am I possessed? Or are you, are you possessed of the Holy Spirit? Are you possessed with uh, the spirit of the world? Take delight in honoring one another. Build others up. Find reason to compliment and celebrate other people today. Like, what might happen? What might happen in the world today if you and I um, committed ourselves to building others up? To celebrating um, the good, to um, yeah, to resist speaking ill of others, and certainly to resist doing ill toward others. Yeah. What might today be like? We're going to have lots of conversations today about uh, headline news. Um, one of the things that is certainly of note, and we'll probably talk about it with more than one of our conversation partners today. Uh, is a vote that took place in the Senate in in relationship to something called the Respect for Marriage Act. Um, It seeks to undo the 1996 Defense of Marriage Act, and that should tell you something. If what it wants to do is upend and reverse a Defense of Marriage Act, then what then does respect mean in the so-called Respect for Marriage Act? And who are the Republicans who aligned with uh, a sufficient number of Republicans who aligned with every Democrat in the Senate to move this toward a vote. All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
1: This is my right right given by God
0: to live a free life, to live in freedom. Joining us uh, on this Thursday morning, Ben Johnson. He's the known as the rights writer. We talk about um, religious liberty and other rights um that we're concerned with not only here in the United States but around the world. He's a senior reporter and editor at the Washington Stand. Ben, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. Good to be with you as always. Yeah, so we're going to talk um later today um with uh Chelsea Sibolik, who serves in Washington D.C. for a um for a pro-life organization um that places, you know, children um in in Christian families and we're going to talk with her about what took place um, in the Senate vote on the so-called uh, yeah I wanted to I wanted to call it the disrespect for marriage act, but they do call it the respect for marriage act. Um, but you have a piece posted at the Washington Stand on the same topic, and so I want to cover this with you as well. Um, this is this is fairly monumental, and I don't I don't want people to miss what has happened um, and what this legislation. Um, would actually do. and 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 you and I are not we're not trying to scare people. This is like this is really a fairly monumental shift um, in terms of the way the average Christian is going to be able to operate in the world should this thing actually pass.
1: Well, it truly is. And of course, she'll talk uh, uh, in greater detail about how this would affect religious nonprofits. So let me just bring up a couple of names of people who will be affected by this. Essentially, this is going to shut down religious liberty nationwide for people who are traditional Christian believers. Now, for those who are part of progressive churches or or, uh, other churches that have a different point of view on LGBTQ issues and so on, they will get to exercise their religious liberty as they are. But uh, for those who hold to the traditional teaching of the Bible uh, about gender and about uh, the proper role of sexuality, it's going to be a major problem. As uh, it was admitted during um, the Obergefell uh, argument back in 2014 and 15, when uh, Don Varelli, the the solicitor general, was asked uh, specifically about how this would impact religious people, he said it's going to be an issue. The issue has finally come, and it hasn't taken long for the other shoe to drop. Particularly for those who are not part of uh, of religious nonprofits there there is a supposed uh, religious liberty clause in here which simply says that religious nonprofits don't have to participate in the religious ceremony itself in a same sex ceremony. however, they still have to uh, they are still impacted when it comes to the definition of marriage in other ways as I say your your other guests will talk about that there is absolutely no protection for people in their day-to-day business lives. People like uh, Baronel Stutzman, the elderly florist in Washington State, who was essentially sued out of business uh, over this issue. Jack Phillips has been sued over and over again, won at the Supreme Court, and is still in court over some new stratagem that's being taken up against him on this very issue. Those people will now see lawsuits against them supercharged one of the things this bill does is establish a private right of action so anyone who feels that they've been discriminated against can go to their local trial lawyer and say, let's sue this individual, and that individual can end up going out of business because they express a point of view that is the bedrock of American foundation, of American civilization, the bedrock of Western civilization for 5,000 years, that marriage is composed of one man and one woman.
0: I am sure that you and I will have um further occasion to uh to talk about this and we have so many um other topics that I want to um that I want to talk with you about today uh and so let me just direct people to read what Ben uh, Johnson has posted it is the headline piece right now at washingtonstand.com the full link will also be um in the show notes today wherever you uh wherever you get the mornings with Carmen podcast when it posts later in the day um so you you'll also see in Ben's piece the uh, the 12 Republican senators who joined all 50 uh Democrats uh in this in this vote that took place in the Senate yesterday. Let's um let's talk uh next Ben about uh the victory related to school choice in this year's midterm elections. And so if you're listening right now and uh, and you say to yourself, you know, I do as a parent um appreciate the uh the the right to have my child educated in the school of my choice, well, a major victory, really, in the, in this midterm cycle. So we're going to talk with Ben Johnson about that next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here, and we all need prayer. And, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at myfaithradio.com.
1: I'm smelling coffee, birds are singing just outside. Here comes your mercy streaming in with the morning light.
0: My Continuing our conversation with Ben Johnson from the Washington stand. Ben, talk with us about um, the midterm elections, just specifically in relationship to school choice.
1: Yeah, school choice uh, proved to be a big winner uh, because advocates of uh, school choice ended up sweeping into office across at least 18 states. Uh, There was an interest group that uh, spent $10 million uh, backing these individuals And in some cases, there were people you would expect to win, like uh, Republican Kevin Stitt in Oklahoma. Oklahoma is an overwhelmingly Republican uh, area. But uh, then, you know, you see the same thing in the Iowa gubernatorial race. In uh, multiple superintendent of the state races, school choice advocates won. What what really surprised me, I guess, uh, was what happened in Pennsylvania and in Illinois to a degree. You have J.B. Pritzker, who is governor of Illinois, Who has moved forward a little bit now of course in illinois this is where you're seeing uh the red um, the the red strikes for teacher unions uh in in chicago where uh, schools were shut down for a very long time and pritzker is essentially moving a little bit in the direction of school choice and then josh shapiro who won that overwhelmingly uh, uh, landslide blowout against doug mastriano in pennsylvania said he supports a form of school choice uh, the way that he campaigned on it, he's he's endorsed uh, by all of the, all of the uh, traditional teachers' unions, but he says he is in favor of fully funding schools. Uh, in fact, uh, the Wolf administration, of which he is uh, currently lieutenant governor, uh, has increased school funding by a billion dollars. Over on top of that, he wants to add additional school choice vouchers for people who are in underperforming schools so they can go to a private institution. Uh, to my knowledge, he is the only person... Who is running for a statewide office and one statewide office in his party who has endorsed vouchers for private schools so it's it's truly remarkable, and uh, there can be no questioning the margin of his victory
0: yeah the um the josh Shapiro um, candidacy and then victory in Pennsylvania um I do believe that he is sort of like one to watch um i I think that he is a person who whose name we're going to hear. Um, Outside of Pennsylvania on a more regular basis. And I also think that, you know, when we talk about um, people of faith, um, people of like active observant faith in the public square, um, Josh Shapiro is, um, you know, is a is a is a Jewish person um, who keeps Sabbath. And that's going to be an interesting, like, I mean, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch uh, for a governor of, of a big state. Um, you know, what that actually looks like uh, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, um, you know, will, where there, will there be like a genuine respect for, for his faithful observance of the things that, uh, concern him, um, you know, as a religious person, I just, there's just some interesting things happening, um you know, on that front across the country. And I think he's an interesting person in relationship to uh, the rise in anti-Semitism in the country. And, um, so I just, I just think he's going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, there are certainly positions that he holds that I do not share, um, in relationship to some of his democratic commitments. Um, but I, um, I think he's an interesting, interesting guy to watch. Talk with us a little bit about um, what happened also in the midterms related to marijuana, particularly in three states. A faith-based coalition, you know, was able to literally help people take a stand.
1: Well, thankfully, in three out of five states, uh, marijuana did not uh, prevail. There were a total of five uh, referenda on state ballots, either to uh, to decriminalize marijuana uh, or Or, to, in some cases, uh, expunge records along with decriminalizing marijuana, uh, allowing uh, you know recreational marijuana to be smoked in those states. And in three of the five it lost, particularly in Arkansas, this was the one that was most interesting to me on issue four uh, it was it was rejected fairly handily. Uh, it was a thirteen point margin uh, on election day. But uh, the group that was really behind it, in addition to virtually every elected official in the state, including Governor Asa Hutchinson, uh, speaking of upwardly uh, mobile uh, people uh, who who certainly have an eye on higher office, he was against it, Mm -hmm. uh, along with uh, Mike Pence made statements about it, uh, both U.S. senators, the governor-elect Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, a whole group of people. But then there was a whole coalition, a broad-based Christian coalition of people of faith who opposed this. And they put out uh, a pamphlet which was widely distributed that talked about the Christian reason to oppose marijuana usage. and uh, that was that was so helpful and so instructive, I think. Uh, so many people that I've spoken with, when we think about marijuana usage, people don't see it anymore as a as a moral issue or a moral choice. And in fact, God has given us certain capabilities, certain faculties. And he has given us potential to to hone those and to use them to the best of our ability to serve others. When we actually follow through with God's plan and make the most of our potential to serve others, uh, that's when we are fully engaged to the maximum point possible in our service and in our obedience to God. We are essentially acting as the hands and the feet of God by using our faculties, turning them over to the power of the Holy Spirit and serving others. And anything that would dull that or heaven forbid, destroy those faculties uh, and degrade them to some degree or another, is in opposition to God's will. So that that broad-based coalition ended up winning uh, in Arkansas as well as in North and South Dakota. Uh, in Maryland and Missouri, uh, of course, you're dealing with a, a pot- potentially, certainly in Maryland, a much less religious uh, demographic of voters. And in uh, Missouri, there were, there were additional measures that ended up uh, stimulating that. There was also a sales tax, which helped uh, move things in the, in the direction of passage. But thankfully, in three out of five, um, the Christian point of view did prevail.
0: All right, Ben, I want to talk um, about one more topic with you today. Again, we're talking with Ben Johnson. You can find much of what we're talking about at WashingtonStand.com. More than 100 pro-life organizations, uh, pregnancy centers, and churches have been attacked in the six months since the Dobbs leak um, on May the 2nd. The Department of Justice has yet to announce any, any arrests in any of these more than hundred attacks on pro-life organizations, uh, churches, and um, and pregnancy centers. Uh, they've been very, very quick to respond um, when when other uh, varieties of institutions have been attacked. You've got a piece um, at TheWashingtonStand.com about uh, One Pro-Life Center's nine-point plan to protect women and children. And it does begin to address this conversation um, uh, about, you know, churches and others being firebombed, smashed and ransacked and vandalized um, and the threatening messages uh, that are not being responded to by the Department of Justice.
1: Yes, this was put out by Compass Care, which was the organization, the Pro-Life uh, Pregnancy Research uh, Center, which was located in Buffalo, and it was firebombed over um, over the summer. One of the very first and one of the worst uh, in terms of property damage in Buffalo, New York. They put out a nine-point plan, uh, which uh, is calling on a pro-life majority in Congress to uh, simply begin investigating the way that these laws are being implemented by uh, the by the Biden administration. So, for example, the FACE Act calls for protection of of uh, abortion facilities, but also for pro-life pregnancy centers. And as you mentioned, that's not the even-handed uh, impl- the implementation of the law that we are seeing. So uh, he's asking for them to investigate that. Also to investigate uh, something that I think you would find a great deal of uh, material for, not merely on abortion, but on other issues, whether the U.S. government is colluding with um, with various institutions such as social media platforms, in order to deplatform, shut down, threaten, or censor individuals who hold pro-life positions. And again, I think you would find that uh, on you would find a great deal of material if uh, Republicans were to look into that, uh, and and uh, it would be true of multiple administrations, not merely this one, but going back more than a decade. At the same time, one of the most interesting points of it that uh, that I found, they want to investigate the impact of chemical abortion on the water supply. Uh, this is something that we don't think of, and, and forgive me introducing something that's modestly graphic at, at this time of day, but the way that chemical abor- abortion works is that people go home and, and pass. Usually uh, the child is passed into a toilet, and then they're told to flush the child into the water supply. What impact was, was, was having that kind of release of biohazardous material into the water supply going to have on us? Uh, This was one of the first places that I heard raise this environmental concern, and it's been significant enough that, uh, for example, it thwarted the opening of an abortion facility uh, in a deeply blue area because this issue was raised. It's one we don't hear enough. So it's it's a highly interesting and insightful plan. Again, there are nine points, but you can find it at uh, compasscarecommunity.com.
0: Wow. All right. Students for life asking really good questions um, about this as, as well. Um, I, I love the way students seem to be on the forefront of many of these conversations and asking questions that sometimes adults are um, afraid to ask. So, Ben, as always, thank you so much. Um, so much of this covered at WashingtonStand.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen Laburge. This is Faith Radio. Are you going to pay for Thanksgiving? This is the, I you know I'm not the only person that is planning on having a bunch of people at my house and um, and thinking about the fairly extraordinary rise in the cost of uh, of Thanksgiving. So here we go from uh, town hall and from Farm Bureau. Here's a little reporting this morning. Americans are feeling inflation's pinch, bracing themselves for the cost of hosting Thanksgiving. The cost of the Thanksgiving meal um, is at least twenty percent higher than last year. Average cost for a family of ten this year is sixty-four dollars and five cents. I, I don't know who's feeding a family of ten for Thanksgiving for sixty-four dollars and five cents. I, I don't. I want to know where you're shopping um, because <clears throat> that is not what my grocery cart is uh, is looking like. It's going to cost. Uh, the Farm Bureau says the centerpiece on most Thanksgiving tables, the turkey. Cost more than last year twenty eight dollars and ninety six cents for a sixteen pound bird yeah so if you if you're going to spend you know thirty bucks on a bird you're going to spend more than sixty four dollars and five cents total to feed a family of ten you see you see how this math just doesn't work out for me mhm so um yeah, the cost has gone up uh, 20 percent. Certainly our paychecks have not gone up 20 percent. I'm I'm wondering how you are covering that difference. I can tell you how most Americans are covering that difference. Credit card balances in the United States jumped 15 percent over the same period of time or, well, the third quarter year over year. So in the third quarter of 2021, um you know, credit card balances were what they were, in that same quarter this year, they jumped 15%. It's the biggest annual increase in more than two decades. That means we're putting a lot, a lot, a lot of spending on uh, credit cards. Why is that? Well, because inflation um, is driving us to spend money we don't have on things we perceive ourselves to need. Um, And so I'm just going to encourage you, um, to, you know, I mean, I know I can say it, I can say, let's not, let's not rely too heavily on consumer credit cards, um, because obviously those have interest rates that are far higher than, uh, than virtually any others. And they are driven up with, with, uh, with the change in rates. In when the Fed increases, uh, the, the rate, um, one of the things that certainly goes up is your credit card, um, unless you've got a credit card that has a fixed, um, interest rate. So there you go. Uh, that'd be my little uh, encouragement today for us to um, find ways to, um, yeah, to help one another during this season of Thanksgiving, um, giving generously as we are able, recognizing that there's going to be a lot of folks um, in desperate need. Hey, we're going to um, spend some time talking next together about prayer. I'm wondering what's on your prayer list. Um thank you to everyone who texted in their one word prayer. We did that last week. If you missed that opportunity and you can you can capture your concerns in one word or give your primary concern a name. Maybe it is the name of a person, maybe it is the name of a particular um, challenge you're facing. If you want to text me one word, we're going to spend some time praying together next here on Mornings with Carmen. The text number is eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. I love praying, um, with you and, and for you. So thank you so much for, um, the ways in which you pray for me and my family and this ministry and faith radio. And, um, thank you for the ways in which you pray for fellow listeners. Thank you for sharing your prayer concerns with us. You can do so at myfaithradio.com. Um, you can do so, um, on the, on the faith radio prayer line, you can call and leave us a a message. um, 877-933-2484. I think you push the number two. Um, Or you can text me right now, um, you know, like one word that gives your, the weight this morning of your prayer concern, a name. Um, And so thank you to those of you who have already um, offered up your one word we did this last week and hundreds of people responded and people are responding now um, again. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to share your, you know, naming, naming your prayer concerns with one word, like what tops the list? Uh, and so thank you. Um, I mean, right now I'm just reading, reading what's coming in. Um, salvation, family, Sarah, grief, cancer, transplant, Emily, consistency. From last week, um, Heidi, spirit-led, work, Kronos, pain, Becky, memory, fear, courage, trochan, democracy, prodigals, forgive, healing, loneliness. So as we um, begin to consider each and every one of the burdens that we bear individually i just want to talk for a moment about what it looks like and what it means and how we functionally bear one another's burdens in prayer like this is the act of intercession and so if if physically right now you would just consider um now if you're driving you can't do this so don't 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 cup your hands um if you're driving because right keep your hands on the wheel <clears throat> unless you're driving some fancy Self-driving vehicle, but, you know, even then, I would say keep your hands on the wheel. Um, so, uh, but I want you to cup your hands as if you were going to dip them into a pool of water and lift them to your lips. So cup your hands, because what I want you to do is I want you to hold others who are, who are listening right now, others in this family, in this community, I want you to hold them right there in your cupped hands, And lift them up before the Lord. That's how I pray for you. That's how I pray for you. So, Jojo, when you ask for me to pray the word consistency for you, I lift you up. I put Jojo in my little cupped hands, and I lift you up before the Lord. And I say, God, I don't know what kind of consistency um, this sweet fellow believer needs, but in the name of Jesus, meet them at their point of need. I lift up grief and fear. I lift up mourning and prodigals. I lift up children and addiction. I lift up fear. I lift up sons and daughters. I lift up relationships. I lift up unity. And I lift up division and fear. I lift up strongholds. And I lift up parents and children. And I lift up cancer. And I lift up those seeking breakthroughs and those who need emotional healing. I lift up every single one of us for spiritual opening. I lift up anxiety and fear. I lift up Lenora. I lift up salvation, decisions, work. Father, I lift up those who are exhausted and the one who seeks reconciliation. I lift up the one who is struggling with addiction. I lift up grandchildren and fatigue. In my cupped hands, I lift you up. Father, I lift up Caitlin. I lift up trust and peace and worry. I lift up loneliness and self-control. I lift up Luke and adoption and children and pain i lift up grief and prodigals and amy father i lift up i lift up the temptation to please people and i ask that you would Cultivate within us a desire to live our life before you, our audience of one. That we would care first and foremost about having your attention and bringing you glory. Father, I lift up the one whose word is recovery and ask that you would be the one who recovers them. I lift up the one whose word is someday And I ask, Father, that today might be that day. I lift up the one whose word is waiting and ask that you would meet them in their waiting. Keep fellowship with them in this time when it seems as if the future is just always one step too far away to reach. I lift up the one who is wondering and the one who is hoping, the one who is longing, the one who, whose word is deception, and the one whose word is infection. I lift up Stephanie, and I lift up trust. Father, I lift up the one who continues to hold in their hands the desire for a child. The word is infertility, but I would, I would ask, Father, that you would replace that word with hope and a future and a family. Father, knit us together as believers who have mutual concern for one another, who intercede on a regular basis for one another. I lift up Cole and I lift up Patrick. I lift up Rachel, and I lift up the Greens. I lift up Gabe. I lift up a sister. I pray for salvation. I lift up entire families in my hands to you, our Father God, recognizing that you are the one who is not only sufficient but gracious, gracious to meet us in the name of Jesus. I mean, it's more than two or three gathered together right now in his name, Father, before your throne, pleading on one another's behalf, holding one, one another up in, in empty hands, but full hearts. Father, we intercede for one another. We pray for a sister, We pray for a husband. We pray for daughters and sons. We pray for our grandchildren and our neighbors. We pray for our moms and our dads. Holy God, hear our prayers. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit myfaithradio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. So take courage, my heart.
1: Stay my soul. He's in the way. He's in the
0: way. All right, how do we pray? Sometimes folks just ask: like, how do you pray? Um, let me just say that, um, you do it just like we did it. I mean, right. You come before the father and you make the desire of your heart known. And for me, um, more times than not, that is a desire, um, that lives in the heart of another person. And I know I cannot meet their need, but God can, God can. Um, and what I can do is pray. And praying is not nothing. Praying is something. Praying um, moves me. Um, Praying releases resources. Um, Praying activates. I mean, I don't want to say that it activates God because like, right, God is already um, concerned with and paying attention to those concerns. Um, But it's, it's not an empty platitude in the face of pain. Um, it is, it is the honest pleading of faith to the one who can do something about it. And so, um, prayer's not just a, requer- a request list from God. I hope that's not what you, what you heard. I'm not asking God to perform for me in the midst of a moment. I'm not, I'm not approaching God like a candy machine uh, or like a gumball machine. I am making the desires of my heart that you have shared with me. And I am, I am coming before the throne as a sister in Christ alongside you lifting up in the name of Jesus, the desire, the desires of our hearts. Um, And I recognize in the midst of that, that, We see each and every one of these people and these concerns and these desires from a temporal um, perspective. Like, right, we're, we're trapped in our own location and we can't help it. But we lift them up before a holy and eternal God. And we say, Father, you have told us to make the desires of our hearts known to you. And so that's what we're doing. Prayer is this supplication before God that he would intervene. It's also an act of pure submission. It's an act of submission of our desires to his will, recognizing that he is good and gracious, um, but a God-honoring prayer begins and ends with God. I mean, the only way I can come into his presence and ask anything of him is that I do so through the way opened in Jesus Christ. I do so in all humility and with deepest gratitude. I do so recognizing I have no right to enter the throne room of God on my own. And so I certainly don't enter on my own. I enter by the blood of Jesus and in the name of Jesus and in the spirit of Jesus and in submission to the father in the same way that the sons submitted, not my will, but yours be done. And so I encourage you to do likewise, like recognize that God honoring prayers begin and end with God. Submission to God's will. Submission to God's timing. We ask him to give us an eternal perspective on, uh, on temporal things. And we may not in the moment understand, but we trust him. I think the kinds of prayers that capture God's heart are, are, are prayers that are genuine and heartfelt and often for others. So, um, I think that you can be confident uh, when, you're, when you're praying blessing for others or healing for others or a benefit for others, security for others, liberation for others, salvation for others. I think you can be confident that your prayers are aligned with the heart of God. Then prayer is also not the absence of action. I think prayer often activates us, right? It, it is what we know we can do, um, in, in the spirit and the name of Jesus. But prayer can also serve as a catalyst um, for not only our own action, but for the action of the Christian community and others um, around us, even Christian institutions. Like asking for prayer for particular things wakes other people up to the reality of those needs and helps us get focused less on our own concerns and more on the concerns with others. And if you're looking for you know, guidance and inspiration in terms of how to pray, you know, I would would say look to the Word of God. Look to the Word of God. The Bible is filled with prayer. There are these private personal prayers of David recorded in the Psalms. Um, There are certainly prayers of Jesus recorded in the Gospels. There are um, corporate prayers offered by prophets throughout the Old Testament. Priests and kings offer prayers. The Apostle Paul offers prayer on behalf of the early church throughout his letters and in the book of Acts. I mean, the Bible is filled with the ongoing dialogue between God and his praying people. The prayers of the people um, are offered in all kinds of contexts, ranging from celebratory worship to battlefields to very lonely dark nights of the soul. Uh, The prayers in the Bible are offered in and every posture that you can imagine. And sometimes in what are described as sighs and groans too deep for words, and that's okay too. Sometimes all we can do is cry out. God hears those prayers. God understands those groans and those sighs. Prayers in Scripture are offered by men and women and children, warriors, priests, publicans, widows, apostles, and the Lord Jesus himself. It occurs to me that um, Jesus often, I mean, the Bible tells us this, like, like Luke tells us this um, about the practice of Jesus. And he probably, uh, Luke probably learns this from uh, the testimony of Peter. You know, Luke says, uh, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mark confirms the same thing um, when he says very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So don't wait um, for the gathering of God's people on Sunday somewhere to pray. It, go go today and find a solitary place and pray. Pour out your heart before the Lord let him know not only the desires of your own heart, but the, the weight of the desires of others in your heart. We certainly um, know the Lord's Prayer. If, uh, if you need a model prayer, um, a, a rhythm to get into, pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray it in its entirety and then pray it line by line and then pray it word by word. And let me tell you, you can spend a lifetime just praying the first word of the Lord's prayer. Father, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio.
1: Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And liftoff of Artemis 1. We rise
0: together back to the moon and beyond. All right. I don't know. Does it give you goosebumps? It still gives me goosebumps. Artemis blasted off yesterday from Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida. The pictures um, that the cameras aboard Artemis are already sending back are awesome and awe-inspiring. I think a really, really good opportunity for us to consider both our greatness and our smallness, right? I mean, like, how amazing is it that uh, we have the ingenuity and, frankly, the collective wealth to send people into space, um, to the moon and beyond? Also, I think uh, an opportunity to consider our smallness, uh, I mean, the the earth looks really little, really little um, from outer space. And, uh, you know, I it just, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, a little bit of perspective, right? Um, good perspective on the reality of the world that we inhabit. And I think a really good reminder of the creator's sacred trust of the earth to human beings as his stewards of it. Uh, This Artemis mission is seen as a stepping stone to the United States establishing a long-term lunar presence, um, which means people are going to live on the moon and sending astronauts to Mars. I do think it's an opportunity for us to consider the scope of the universe and all who are in it. I know that's a a bizarre consideration in question, but let's be praying for um, God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven and in every place in the heavens above. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. we got another hour of Faith Radio up next. If you haven't done so already, let me invite you to sign up today for our Reading the Bible Together Advent series. Advent is going to start this, uh, this oh, not this weekend, next weekend. It's a week away. Sign up today. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app.